The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. We will never stop fighting to save the America we love. Trump chants at the uh, Republican debate last night in Florida. And then, of course, over at uh, Trump's rally, also in Florida, you have chants of USA, USA. I mean, that tells you all that you need to know about the front runner, not, not just in the Republican primary, but the front runner politically in both parties. Donald John Trump. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this, of this program at our website, trumpetdaily.com, and also at our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash trumpetdaily. You can join the live chat, or you can leave a comment. Be sure that you give us the thumbs up as well so that it, it can improve our rating. So let's just talk about uh, the content for a moment. Well, first of all, let me, let me first begin by saying it has been confirmed. It has been confirmed that as of the start of yesterday's program, our lovely producer, Sam Livingston, maybe I should say beloved, our beloved producer, he had no idea that there was a Republican uh, debate going on last night. Now he knows. We've queued up a few clips, so we'll give you some of the highlights or lowlights, depending on how you look at it. But no one knew. And of course, the last one in Simi Valley, it was one of the lowest rated debates ever, certainly in the last few decades. And that's because the front runner's not there. And of course, Donald Trump, as you would expect, he strategically plans one of his rallies at the exact same time as the RNC debate. But just think about the content for a moment. I mean, quite a lot of the Republican debate last night centered around foreign policy and all of the foreign wars. And not that there's anything wrong with those subjects. I mean, we talk often on this show and we certainly write often at the website, thetrumpet.com, about Ukraine, about Taiwan, certainly about Israel. I mean, that's dominated the news cycle in the last month. But over at the Trump rally, you get a steady, a steady diet of the attack on America. None of that, none of that was in the debate last night. You, you, if you weren't, I mean, if you weren't informed and you just switched on the debate, you'd have no idea that Joe Obama is destroying the United States of America. You'd have no idea that America is under attack. You go to a Trump rally and you know that America is being attacked from within. 
You know, you know what else they don't talk about at all at the Republican debates? They don't talk about how the Democrats cheat their way to victory. It's like Trump said at his rally last night. How do you, how do you win on a campaign that says, uh, let's see, we're going we're gonna to open the borders wide. We're going to send out $1,200, $1,500 a month to illegals. We'll put them up in hotels. We'll send them around the country. We'll pay for their travel. Oh, and also, we want to just continue on with endless wars abroad. We want to funnel hundreds of billions into Ukraine and forget places like East Palestine, Ohio. How do you win? Like, like Donald Trump said last night, how do you win on that kind of a campaign? Well, answer, you cheat. The answer is that you cheat your way to victory. They know their policies are absolutely dreadful. They know that most people in America do not want what they're, what, what they're doing, what they're advertising. And so they lie. They lie and they cheat. Just like I played for you yesterday, the woman up in Massachusetts. She's been cheating for years. Serial cheater, helping, helping her favorite candidate win by cheating. And she keeps getting promoted. She, ke- she keeps getting promoted. How is it? How is it that Joy Behar on The View yesterday can say that, well, I believe uh, you had it stolen from you, Hillary, back in 2016. She can talk open. And the crowd, they were cheering. I mean, one thing you've got to give the Democrats credit for. They, I mean, if they have a big lie that they embrace, they, they embrace it proudly. And they, and they all clap and they all cheer. But look at the intense Look at the intense, some would say demonic attempts to just absolutely squash any discussion of the election being stolen in 2020. And then now, as I've covered this week, you've got all of these localized reports of election stealing going on, cheating that's going on in Massachusetts, in New Jersey, Michigan. Where will it be next? Donald Trump goes to his rallies, he brings it up over and again, because that's, that's part, in fact, you could say that's, that's where the attack on America from within, that's where it centers. Barack Obama running his shadow government for four years during the Trump administration was laying things out with the help of others, Stacey Abrams and so on, to make sure that they could steal the election. In those critical swing states, that's where the election, the counting stopped at 10, 11 p.m. It all stopped November 3rd, 2020. It stopped in Georgia. It stopped in Arizona. It stopped in Pennsylvania. It stopped in Michigan. It stopped in Wisconsin. Sorry, They didn't stop it in Florida. They didn't stop it in Iowa or Maine. Just those those crucial swing states because they had to go find the ballots. Joe Biden, the fake president, this morning, he told Peter Ducey. uh, Ducey asked him, what what do you think about being behind Donald Trump in the polls in five out of six states? And the fake president just looked at Ducey and said, I'm not behind. And Ducey said, you don't believe you're behind in those polls? He said, no. He said it it reminded me of just how confident 
they were back in 2020. Remember, they told us, they told us the playbook in advance. The red wave, you're going to see the red wave on election day, but this year it's going to be different. It's going to be election week, maybe election month, who knows. So they, they are busy, hard at work, the, the radical left, the communist left. They are amassing a fortune to go into next year's election, and they've got the mechanisms in place to cheat. Maybe it's not as extensive as, as the last time, but still, they've got a ton of money. And meanwhile, in the Republican Party, we're supposed to go and play along Here come the junior varsity candidates to the Republican debate last night. They're funneling all that Murdoch, he's fully behind. He's fully behind Nikki Haley. And she, I mean, she's a war hawk. She, her expertise is foreign policy. And so NBC, happy to oblige. Hey, we'll, we'll fill this debate full of foreign policy questions as if that's what everyone in America wants to hear discussed. As I say, We watch the news. We watch the world, in fact. So I'm not saying those aren't worthy topics of discussion, but how different the content was compared to the, comparing the debate, I should say, to the Trump rally. Trump's there saying, look, we're, we're under attack. And if we don't pull this out in 2024, it's finished. America's finished. You didn't get any of that last night at the debate. In fact, Ron DeSantis, he sat down with NBC afterwards, I'll play the clip later, and uh, said to them, hey, you guys, you guys did a great job. In fact, I, I feel like this debate was even better than, uh, than the one that Fox hosted. <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't talk to NBC that way. In, in fact, uh, Ramaswamy, I guess many are saying he had the best zingers. Sometimes they seem a little random and uh, not, really, not, not really premeditated by anything. Some say, said he won the debate, but listen, listen to, to him talking about just having NBC moderators at a, at a Republican debate. This is clip two. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Walker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. He's exactly right about that. The Democrats, I mean, they work together. They work as one, and they've got all their allies in the media, never mind the three NBC people last night that were, you know, pretending to be objective. Just look at the content. N Nikki Haley's the chosen one now. DeSantis, you know, he's on the way out. Nobody really likes Ramaswamy that much because he's, he's uh, Trump light, I guess. So Nikki Haley's, you heard about Yunkin this week. He's a goner now. Nothing is working for the establishment. And yet they're still just pouring millions and millions, tens of millions, into the coffers of these, candidates, these, these wannabe candidates. As I said on yesterday's program, how different would it be if the Jeroboam actually had helpers in the elite, the ruling class, among the, the Republican establishment? Think about it. if they were unified and they say, listen, this is a conservative debate. So, yeah, let's go get Tucker. Uh, let's go get another conservative moderator. Forget about NBC. 
But no, they can't do that, can they? Do you think the Democrats would line up Tucker and Joe Rogan and, and another conservative commentator of some, of some kind? Of course not. They're all together. You see it over and over uh, again. Ramaswamy, he talked about the content for a time uh, during the debate last night. Listen to clip 10. We've talked a lot about foreign wars tonight, but we're in the middle of a war right here at home. It's a war not between black and white or Democrat and Republican. It's between those of us who believe in our founding ideals and love this country and a fringe minority who hates the United States of America. And I think it's going to take a commander in chief to lead us to victory in that war. That's a that's a a fairly Trumpian. I I guess that was his closing remarks. Uh, But that's that's along the lines of what Trump Donald Trump has been sounding the alarm about the war here at home, the attack from within America under attack, as we often promote on this show, the 800 number 1-866-930-3024. It is a quite uh, a stark contrast. We've talked a lot about foreign wars. We've talked a lot about Ukraine. We've talked a lot about Taiwan, about Israel. Not a lot about inflation, nothing really about Joe Obama, Barack, certainly not Barack Obama, but really nothing about Joe Biden. I mean, yesterday, Hunter Biden and Jim Biden were subpoenaed after a year, finally. Did you hear much about that? Did the regime media tell you that the president's son has been subpoenaed by, by James Comer's investigative committee? It's about time. That's, that's our reaction. Why didn't that happen months ago? Well, at least it finally happened, but it's not. Listen, the regime media is not going to talk about that. They're there pretending to be objective, asking Nikki Haley about sending money to Ukraine. Switch channels for a moment over to the Trump rally. This is clip nine. Our nation is in very serious trouble, and it's time for the Republican establishment to stop wasting time and resources trying to push weak and ineffective rhinos and never-Trumpers that nobody wants and nobody's going to vote for. I watch these guys coming in. I had this thing, and I was watching these guys. They're not watchable. You know, the last debate was the lowest-rated debate in the history of politics, so... So therefore, do you think we did the right thing by not participating? Who brings out crowds like what he had last night? That's where Hialeah, Florida, I'm not sure where that is in the state or how close it was to where the debate was being held. But another big crowd, another big crowd at a Trump rally. The latest polls, CNN has Trump up 49-45 over Biden. That's in a general election. Plus four over Biden. The morning consult, plus two. Trump, plus two. CBS, Trump, plus three. And then the messenger, Trump, plus two. There's this other article from Bloomberg. It says here, Trump's wealth has jumped $500 million since he left the White House. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I mean, all these attacks. He's having to pay all these lawyers Millions, no doubt, millions of dollars just to defend himself, just to defend this country. And he's accumulating more wealth. He's still making money despite all these attacks. 
like I said, what, how different would it be if people just hopped on? The stocks are rising. The, the, the Trump stock is rising. It says here Donald Trump is getting richer with the former president on trial in New York, accused of inflating his wealth by billions of dollars for more than a decade. The question of how much he's worth is as relevant as ever. It says it's up from $2.6 billion in 2021 to $3.1 billion. So even as they try to get him for saying he was worth more than he actually was, he's making more money. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect, really. It's perfect. Here again, coming back to this, uh, this event in uh, Hialeah, Florida, clip five. The second question I get is, will they do it again, sir? And you know what they mean. Will they do it again? Will they cheat again? Because they cheated like a bunch of dogs. Will they do it again? And we have the best everything. They're going to try. Look, that's all. You can't win elections when you say open borders, bad education, high interest rates, high taxes, tremendously big and impossible regulations, weak on Every nation not respected by anybody. The United States right now is a laughing stock all over the world. They don't, they don't respect our president. They respected me. They don't respect our president. They don't respect anything about us. And then you're supposed to win an election. They win their elections by cheating. That's what they do. That's the only way. It is the only way. And yet that subject is taboo at a Republican debate. The, the, I mean, the candidates have to rise above that sort of uh, sour grapes talk. DeSantis and company, they're above that, you see. We're, th- we're not thinking behind. We're not thinking 2020. We're thinking ahead to 2024. But as we've said so many times on this show, if you don't go back and fix what was wrong with 2020, if you don't hold people to account, Well, those people at the Republican debate stage should be worried about what's going to happen in 2024. Assuming Trump is put away in prison and it comes down to those five at the debate last night. You think the radical left is just going to say, oh, finally, finally, we got Trump out of the way. So uh, we'll just let this Republican candidate have it. You think they just say, come on in, Ron DeSantis. You can uh, you can take the election this time. These people have cheating down to an art. And, they're, and they're, even when they're caught, they just continue right on doing it. You can't win on Joe Obama's policies. You can't win on a Democrat platform. So you have to cheat. This is from CNBC, by the way. Speaking of Biden's policies, credit card balances spiked in the third quarter to a $1.08 trillion record Here's how we got here. Americans now owe $1.08 trillion on their credit cards. Credit card balances spiked by $154 billion year over year, notching the largest increase since 1999. People are putting it on the card because they can't afford to pay in cash. So just jack up the card and pay the minimum balance and, and just see your wealth if you had any, disappear. And then the government, same thing. It's now every year a trillion dollars in interest payments for your federal government. 
Donald Trump talks about it. He's talking about now maybe he could, it, for his part, maybe he could talk a little more about Israel, about Ukraine, about Taiwan. He touches on those subjects from time to time. But he knows. You've got to give him credit. He knows America's being attacked from within. And these are some very evil and sinister forces that are fundamentally transforming the United States. I mean, Barack Obama has, like I said yesterday, he's been in power for 15 years, four of which the shadow presidency. But for 15 years, he's into his fourth term now. That's what we titled the program yesterday, Barack Obama's fourth term. You can get to all of our programs, our previous ones, at those two websites I mentioned at the start, trumpadaily.com and, of course, the Rumble channel, rumble.com uh, rumble forward slash trumpetdaily. I noticed this morning, by the way, Carolyn Glick, we had her on the show uh, not that long ago, and she, she tweeted out our uh, documentary, Israel's 9-11. I think the views are fast approaching 12,000 now. So if you haven't seen that, uh, that powerful documentary, she had some very nice, nice words to say about it. The, uh, the documentary that we produced a couple of weeks ago. It's about 70 minutes in length. You can get to it at our Rumble channel. It's offered exclusively there. So just go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. And then you'll have to scroll down a little bit because it's gotten buried by uh, newer videos that we've produced. But uh, I tweeted out earlier today or retweeted what Carolyn did. And so you can go to that tweet as well and watch it through, uh, through Twitter or X, what used to be Twitter. My uh, Twitter page, uh, by the way, is at Stephen Flurry if you'd like to uh, visit that. So Donald Trump at Hialeah, Florida from, uh, from yesterday. This is clip six. Every day since our 2016 victory, that was some year, the sick political class we defeated has been trying to scratch and claw their way back into total control over our lives. They are working so hard. It's actually all they're good at. They're bad at policy. They're bad at everything, but they're only good at that. And they're really great at cheating in elections. They're really good at corruption, at, at cheating, the president says. They're horrible at policy. They're horrible with everything. I mean, look at so many of them. They're now Hamas sympathizers. They cheat their way to victory. You think that topic's going to come up ever at a Republican debate? It won't. It won't. And yet, I mentioned Joy Behar. Listen to what, listen to this exchange with Hillary Clinton yesterday on uh, The View. This is clip 11. By the way, you know, Miss, Mrs. Clinton did win the popular vote. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I continue to believe that you won. I don't care what they say. I continue to believe that you won. I don't care what they say. She's on national TV. The View. The crowd, they're cheering along in the background. They, they make no bones about it. If they believe a big lie, they're proud of it. You can't even get an establishment Republican to talk about election fraud from 2020. There's a few. There's a few coming around now. Because they see what's happening in these local areas. They see Democrats getting away with it in broad daylight. What a difference. How weak, as I've often said, how weak and pathetic are so many of these establishment types. If they had any, 
any bit of the fire that these radicals have, these radicals that are only good at corruption and cheating and lying and stealing, there'd be some pushback. The reason they hate the bad orange man the most is because he pushes back. He's, he's a little more effective than Vivek, who had some zingers last night. But Donald Trump generally, generally he's a counterpuncher. He's certainly had his zingers, and uh, they're not, not all of them are, are what you would say are, are righteous zingers, but they, they often have a pretty powerful kernel of truth. Either way, whether you agree with his style or not, he fights back. He pushes back. He, he certainly does. Listen to, listen to Ron DeSantis. I, I mentioned it was after the debate was over, and he sat down with uh, the moderators. It was sponsored by NBC. And listen to this. Listen to this love fest. This is clip seven. You were front center stage, hometown hero, if you will. This is your, your, your state of Florida. How did you feel you did in this debate? And, and are you upset that debate after debate, the former president is not there side by side debating with you? Well, I think we did really well. And I think NBC did a good job. I mean, I have uh, watched debates over the years. I've participated in a couple already. And I think the people at home probably got a good viewing experience because the questions were substantive. People were able to talk. There wasn't a lot of screaming back and forth. And so I think the value of this debate was probably more than the one we did in Simi Valley. That was the, the Fox News debate. So there's DeSantis saying the value of this one. It was, it was a, you guys did a good job. Whereas Donald Trump would say, you guys are fake news. You're, even Ramaswamy, li- listen to one of the debate moderators, Kristen Welker. I think she's, she was promoting hoaxes for years. And then she gets promoted for all of those fake stories. I think she took over for Chuck Todd. Isn't that right? In any event, Vivek calls her out on national TV, clip three. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Chris, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question, go. (laughs) I think there's a a time after that where they show her, you guys got to look for that screen grab of uh, Welker's deer in the headlights uh, reaction to him calling her out. You spread the Russia collusion hoax. You know, have you, have you ever apologized? They all, they all spread the hoax with energy, with passion, just like Behar and, and Clinton at The View yesterday, talking about the election steal. They're election deniers. The, the, the stolen election from 2016. They're not, they're not ashamed. E- even when it exposes the double standard, they can talk about elections that are stolen, but Donald Trump can't, supposedly. You, you would think, I mean, if it's someone that's, that's just a little bit corrupt, they'd probably say, well, you know what, if we're going to expect Donald Trump to keep his mouth shut about election denying or election fraud, I should say, then uh, maybe we should just kind of let 2016 <laughs> pass away. They won't. They won't. And then the actual steal happens. And look at how aggressively they go on the, the attack. They go on offense. Vivek calls her out. That was probably his best moment 
last night, in my estimation, because they need to be exposed. That's what this program is about, in large part, exposing this corruption. The one thing, as Donald Trump said at the rally, the one thing that they're good of, they're good at, lies, deceit, cheating. When, when Donald Trump talks about them scratching and clawing their way back to power, it just makes me think of that, that statement my father made some years ago, where he said the radical left will do anything, anything, to get hold of, to grab hold of power, and then to maintain that grip so that they can control everything in D.C. and everything in your life if they had it their way. Let's switch back to the Trump rally, clip eight. Because this race is not just about beating Crooked Joe, it's about defeating the entire rotten, corrupt, and tyrannical establishment right now that you have in Washington, D.C. Nobody thought we'd see this. This election will decide whether power in America belongs to them forever or whether it belongs to you, the men and women who make this country great, who make this country run. 2024 is our final battle. Final battle. And we're just a year away from it. So you can see, it, as I say, you can see the contrast. What, what the United States is facing in the next year, 12 months. Even as 60, 70% of the Republican debate centers on things happening abroad. And of course, Nikki Haley, she's excited to talk about that. That's her specialty. That's what she's really good at. And this is the one the Murdoch Republicans want to put in power, want to install as the Republican king. Never mind the polls. <laughs> Never mind the elephant in the room or out of the room, depending on how you look at it. She's the one now. Look at, look at how many lies and, and how much fakery and phoniness you, you have to embrace just when you switch on the TV to the Republican debate. Now, they're not, they're not lying and deceiving and cheating and stealing the way that the communist left is. But they're embracing so many falsehoods, so many fake narratives. Can't even bring certain subjects up. Everything's carefully framed. The candidate that we've chosen is this one. And yet they go through this game almost. Phoniness and fakery right across the establishment. When we come back, we're going to shift gears pretty significantly. We're going to uh, revisit the story uh, coming out of Israel, the, in the ground invasion now that's in full swing uh, following the, the attack that we chronicle on Israel's 9-11, that event that, that happened over a month ago now, October uh, 7, Israel's 9-11. Douglas Murray is reporting, we've played a few clips from him in recent, uh, recent weeks, he's been reporting uh, from the Gaza border and had a, a pretty interesting exchange with Pierce Morgan yesterday. So we'll get to that when we come back. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the program, you can reach us, td at thetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. 
The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. this issue around the pro-Palestinian marches and specifically the one planned for Armistice Day here in London on Saturday. Do you think it should go ahead? Well, uh, my own view is that it shouldn't and it shouldn't because it's not because it should be banned but because it's a grotesque insult to the British people. Uh, it's a deliberately provocative day to choose for such a march. It's a deliberately provocative march. As the Telegraph showed just yesterday, around half of the organisers of the march are themselves linked with Hamas, uh, which isn't at all surprising. We have Hamas commanders, after all, who live in London very safely, often on welfare. Um, and uh, so, yes, I think it's an intolerable march. It's intolerable provocation to the British public and the British government and the British police, by the way, who Saturday after Saturday have been made to put up with unbelievable taunting and abuse uh, from the marchers. Uh, it's clearly, it's, it's very clear by now, Piers, that what is happening is that every week the, the crowds are pushing and seeing if they can push the police further and further, harder and harder and be more and more provocative. And they're managing to do that. Uh, but th this is culminating this weekend and, and grow. I'm afraid, I'm very, very afraid from what's going to happen this weekend coming in the UK. Personally, I think it's safer in Israel these days than it is in central London, certainly for Jews. Wow, that's quite a statement. It's safer in Israel than it is in central London as these pro-Hamas demonstrations and protests are intensifying. They've been going on now for three, four weeks, three or four straight Saturdays every single week. And now they come up to Armistice Day, November 11th, this Saturday, one of the few days that uh, the traditional Brits, not, not the others they're just inviting into the country, who are, who are bringing their religion, their culture, their everything with them. But traditional Brits, I mean, they still hold this day. It's Remembrance Day. It's like Memorial Day for the United States, only in Britain... They really do remember it in a more sacred manner than even we do with Memorial Day here in the States. A moment of silence at 11 a.m. at that time. If it's on a school day, all of the youngsters stand up respectfully 
to remember their fallen heroes. And now you're having pro-Hamas demonstrators who, as Murray says there, they're getting more and more aggressive, even with law enforcement, every single week. And of course, Murray, he's made the point that it's illegal even. If, if the British really wanted to crack down on this, they could. It's in the books. It's, it's illegal to get out there and to celebrate acts of terrorism. And that's what so many of these protesters are doing. From the river to the sea, let's get, just get rid of all the Jews. Yes, safer to live in Israel. If you're a Jew, safer to live in Israel than in London. Central London, where there's just quite the Muslim community. And so many, so many Hamas sympathizers and supporters Piers said, well, I mean, they're not, uh, all those that take to the streets in demonstration, I mean, they're not all supporters of Hamas. Listen to Murray's reaction to that reasoning, clip four. Well, I, I, I think that anyone who, for instance, chants things like from the river to the sea is, is in fact... Yes, but they're not all doing that. ...or is criminally ignorant. Oh, well, they are. I mean, there's masses of videos of them marching past Westminster Abbey last week saying exactly that. Yeah, but they're not all uh, doing it. Past the Statue of Winston Churchill I, I, last I've week watched the videos, exactly. and there are well, lots of people okay, well, here, chanting well, and some who aren't. Okay, well, here's a challenge. Okay, well, here's a challenge, Piers. If you decided to go on some kind of march, mm. and in week one you discovered that you had the BN along your side calling for instance for the murder of all black people would you not wonder whether or not you should go on week two and would you not drop out by about week three i'd have thought so i would that's a good question uh and yes i would that's that is a good question isn't it why would you want to be associated with that crowd given what they're cheering on given what they're chanting given how they're getting more and more aggressive and going up against the police. That's all over the world. As I've said this week, October 7 was a defining moment, a real turning point, as if the world could get any worse. I mean, we were talking about the scandemic year as a, a, a change for the worse that was never going to go back. The hatred for the Jews and the fact that it's getting so much support. You can see why Israel's 9-11 is so important. As Carolyn Glick said, it's a, it's, a, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful explanation or account of what, of what happened on October 7. And that video could have even been more graphic and horrific than it was. This is from Real Clear Investigations. After Hamas massacred 1,400 men, women, and children in Israel last month, FBI Director Chris Wray warned that the terror group and its allies could inspire attacks on Americans here on our own soil. He also told the Senate that the FBI is conducting multiple ongoing investigations into people affiliated with the U.S.-designated terrorist group. Hamas, it's a... It's a a terrorist group, U.S. designated. It says here, what Ray didn't say is that the FBI has been investigating Hamas's biggest ally in America for the past 30 years. 
without seeking any charges. I guess it's like an investigation into the Biden crime family. Well, well, we are investigating it. Is anything going to come of it, though? I guess not. It says, launched in 1994 as a secret front organization to support Hamas, according to a declassified FBI wiretap transcripts and FBI testimony, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, that's CARE. You've heard of them, right? There's these secret tapes. It's a front group for Hamas, and it's right here on American soil. It's been investigated for 30 years and nothing's come of it, yet nobody, they put grandmothers in jail for nine months because they took a selfie in the Capitol building. What about some of these individuals, you know, the front group for Hamas? An investigation for 30 years without seeking any charges. Can you believe this? It says here, in the decades since, They've become an accepted member of Washington's lobbying community. The New York Times and other influential newspapers routinely describe CARE as a a Muslim civil rights and advocacy organization. Yeah, they're a good advocacy organization, this Hamas front group. Although it has not repudiated its support for Hamas, which is committed to the destruction of Israel and Jewish people, CARE was enlisted by the Biden administration in May to take part in a White House initiative to fight anti-Semitism. How about that? Yeah, that's like putting Iran on the Human Rights Council at the United Nations. The White House and CARE, hand in hand. This is from... uh, The Hill, a senior Biden administration official, said the death toll of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip is likely far higher than the 10,000 number being reported by the health ministry. So you've got Israel giving you the most accurate reporting on the collateral damage and also pointing out which Hamas terrorists we've taken out. He, I saw a tweet this morning. This one's been eliminated. Just, just so you know, there's photographic evidence. We're actually aiming for Hamas terrorists with this invasion, with the, with the bombing campaign. Here's a rough estimate on the, the collateral damage. Then you've got the Hamas, the, the health ministry in Gaza. And they're inflating the numbers. Yeah, thousands of children, 10,000 casualties. And then right above that, you've got Joe Bama's White House. Yeah, I think it's actually more than the Hamas ministry is saying. How do you explain this? This is treachery and and treasonous of the highest order. They're, They're on the side of a terrorist organization, a U.S. designated terrorist organization. And they're not even, it's like Joy Behar. They don't apologize. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, working with CARE to try to eliminate uh, anti-Semitism. Yeah, we're, uh, we see what the Gaza Health Ministry is reporting. It's actually even worse. I mean, Israel really is destroying the place. This is from uh, Honest Reporting, Reuters. No, no, it's about Reuters, sorry. Honest Reporting says, on October 7, Hamas terrorists were not the only ones who documented the war crimes. 
they had committed during their deadly rampage across southern Israel. You know about this. They went in there with cameras, GoPros, that they wanted to film the raping and the murder and the burning. Hamas, that's the way they operate. They were celebrating it. We played the clip for you. The son, he called home, Mama, Mama, I've killed 10 Jews. I'm a hero. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, said the parents. Praise God. They weren't the only ones who documented the war crimes. Some of their atrocities were captured by Gaza-based photojournalists working for the Associated Press and Reuters, whose early morning presence at the breached border area raises serious ethical questions. So you've got these photojournalists that work for Reuters and Associated Press. They, I mean, they know what's coming. They know this is the day of the, the attack. And, well, hey, we got to walk in there with them. Take some good pictures so that we can sell them to Reuters. I mean, what? How do you, how do you explain this? Well, they're on the same side, aren't they? It says, what were they doing there so early? on what would ordinarily have been a quiet Saturday morning. Was it coordinated with Hamas? Did the respectable wire services which published their photos approve of their presence inside enemy territory together with the terrorist infiltrators? Did the photojournalists who freelance for other media like CNN and the New York Times notify these outlets? Judging from the pictures of lynching, kidnapping, and storming of an Israeli kibbutz, it seems like the border has been breached not only physically, but also journalistically. How come these so-called journalists didn't sound the alarm? How much did even the reputable sources or the reputable news gatherers at New York Times, Reuters, Associated Press, how much did they know? Who knows? You can only speculate. But this was, I mean, this was the worst, most violent, most gruesome attack on Jews since the Holocaust. And as I touched on even yesterday, there's some serious questions that have yet to be answered respecting Israel on the inside, Israel's intelligence agencies, the IDF, the, 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 the army, the upper echelon leading the army. I suspect the more and more this plays out, the more we're just going to be shaking our heads going, how many, how much did people know? How much did these organizations know about what was coming? And they just said, well, it's going to come and we're going to report on it. How many traitors are there in our nations? You see them on the streets. You see them at the New York Times. They, they really and truly do hate America. And in many cases, they hate the Jews. And so even if it's Armistice Day, listen, we got to step aside and let the Hamas protesters take to the streets of central London. We'll see how that, that plays out this Saturday, just two days away. When we come back, we'll conclude with uh, uh, maybe a couple of emails, but one in particular that is pretty hilarious. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. 
the developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world, providing every luxury, modern convenience and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime, violence, injustice, sickness and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why, if God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. This uh, email, it doesn't pertain to this show necessarily, um, but it is 100% true. Uh, our assistant principal at Imperial Academy received this uh, yesterday, and I'll just give you some portions of it. It says, uh, I was contacted today via phone by a border service officer in uh, with the Canadian government. It says the officer had intercepted a package sent from Imperial Academy, that would be our school here on this campus, um, to an address in Ontario. It says the contents of the package raised the officer's suspicions. In it, safely immersed in a preservative solution was a dead frog. It says the officer dutifully located the phone number for the return address, Imperial Academy, right here in Edmond, Oklahoma, and he got, got in touch with me, says our assistant principal. The officer correctly speculated the frog was being sent from our school for educational purposes. I confirmed and told him it was intended to reach one of our students in Ontario for a biology uh, dissection assignment. The officer told me he could not permit the frog to travel any further into Canada without first verifying the species of the frog. If the frog is endangered, then we have a problem. And so the investigation begins. Can this frog, I mean, this, the border security at Canada, the southern border security at Canada, it is so tight that we can't even slip a dead frog through customs. Happens all the time, by the way, with homeschooling associations and such. Anyway, it says, at this time, a dead frog is being detained at the Canadian border. It will be held there until we can produce papers verifying its legal status. We've got to prove that it's not an endangered species. Since the call, the IA Science Department has helped me determine it is a forer's grass frog found in Mexico and Central America. Somehow it got, well, you know why it got across the southern border of the states. They are prolific breeders, it says. I sent the information to the officer and have not yet heard back. And then it says here finally, those are the facts. Canadian tax dollars 
are hard at work. That's right. Keeping out dead frogs to keep you safe, I guess. To, oh, and to preserve an endangered species. You cannot, as I say so often, make this up. Let's finish on a more serious note. If I can scroll down to uh, one of our emails. That's the last page of my notes, unfortunately. It says here, another day of daylight truth. Thank you for being and bringing the light of truth to bear on total corruption. Well, we uh, spent some time on that theme in the first segment. It says here, uh, the Democrats now embrace jihad terrorism, looting, rioting, Antifa, BLM, all as tools of the self-proclaimed oppressed to rage against perceived injustice. It says here, look at, look at how the Democrats responded to the summer of riots in America. Mostly peaceful protests, they said. That's, what, that's what's always, it just infuriates me when I think about how they twisted the narrative about January 6th. To think that it was just a few months before that where the rioting, the looting, the burning, even at a federal, house, a, a federal building in Portland. And, and then they justified it all saying it's necessary for social justice. It's necessary. And oh, by the way, never mind the burning and the looting behind me. It's mostly peaceful. So much in the way of lies and deception. That's all we have time for on today's show, unfortunately. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we will see you again tomorrow.